back like we never left. It's double move sports. As always, I'm Steph Albiro, and I'm here with my guy, my partner in crime, the fantasy phenom himself, Alex Lott. Say what's up to the people. Let's go, Steph. I'm so excited for today's show. We've got like a month until the NFL season starts. It is creeping Ooh. up on us like so slowly um and i don't know people aren't going to see it coming and then they're going to be on the ground because like they just got hit from behind by like a freight train and that (laughs) freight train is the nfl season we're super hyped dude i'm looking at this episode and it is so thick like i'm thinking like the thickness i'm thinking of here is like think about the harry potter books they are stacked (laughs) that thick with great takes great information we have some awesome receivers to break down like if I am Legolas, you are, you know, Gandalf on this episode, Steph. Let's get into it. Let's go. <laughs> well, guys, we're getting into some wide receivers today. I'm hyped because I had a lot of the question marks on these players. And this episode was really an exercise to dive deeper into some more of these ambiguous names, these mid-round guys. The wide receiver depth is so massive this year. It's it's We're down with a thickness on this episode, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, I do want to toss something out there. We've seen a lot of opt-outs happening. All right. When we're recording this, you know, there could still be a couple opt-outs. I think we still have another day or so before the deadline. So if we don't hit on a name, that means it was breaking after we recorded. But we've seen Damian Williams is the big one. And it seems like, and you know, there's defensive guys too. But for this show in fantasy football, it seems like all these team wide receiver threes and fours are deciding to opt out. We saw Devin Funches go. Um, I'm thinking of who's the dude on the Eagles. Fast guy, Marquise Goodwin. Um, we saw Alan yep. Hearns and Albert Wilson on the Dolphins opt out as well. And we've seen Gisecki a handful season. of other names. Yeah, I think Travis Benjamin on the 49ers. So, Steph, that's what I want to bring up. On the Dolphins, I saw Alan Hearns opt out, and I didn't think anything of it because he's their wide receiver four. I didn't really see much of an impact there. But now that both Alan Hearns and Albert Wilson have opted out for the season, how do we think about that? Is that giving Gasecki any kind of bump? Is it a bump for Williams and Parker? What do you think about that situation in Miami? I do think I think it's a bump for a lot of the weapons there. I think that could be a bump for Matt Breida in the passing game. Uh, I think that could be a bump for uh, Preston Williams, who I mean I'm the ball's got to go somewhere. Right? <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, I, I like Isiki. He's not really like a, a guy who's creating a bunch of yardage, but I do think the volume can go up. I was kind of already expecting that just with his mini breakout towards the end of last year. But Preston Williams will probably be a guy that I need to do, do a deep dive into. He's been on my dynasty radar uh, all off season. I've been trying to get him in a few places and I, I was sh- shying away from him in a redraft just because I have concerns with the ACL injury he suffered and missed uh, pretty much all of last season. It was like, you know, he played eight games or whatever, six games. So yeah, he's a guy who's moving up on my boards. Um, one that we definitely need to dig into. Maybe we need to do a uh, an opt-out episode, kind of breaking down on the opt-outs before the season starts. But guys, let's get into this show. We're talking about the thickness here. And uh, Alex, I'm going to kick it off to you to start. Give us all of that Saquon Barkley thigh thickness. Oh my gosh. In terms right. of the information that we're about to get. And I'll let you start it off. All right, we're going to start it off with Julian Edelman. And that beautiful beard he's got. So, you know, if I'm still talking about, you know, Lord of the Rings here, Julian Edelman is like Gimli. Is that the troll? I'm sorry (laughs) to everyone that's not a Lord of the Rings fan. I think we're exposing ourselves as nerds right now, diving all the way into Middle Earth with some of these takes. But look, Julian Edelman's the first guy I want to break down. He's going right now as ADP wide receiver 32, which at first this offseason felt 
you know, fine. I still wasn't that interested in Edelman, even at that ADP, but I dug into it and it's like this dude finished as the wide receiver seven last season in PPR formats. I know he's 34 years old, but he still played 87% of snaps. Um, And in the five seasons that he's played 12 or more games in his career, he's never finished outside of the PPR wide receiver 20. So I get it. Tom Brady's out of town and he loved checking it down to both James White and Julian Edelman as a slot receiver. But right now, Julian Edelman going as the wide receiver 32, is he really going to dip that far with Cam Newton there? In New England, like I don't I see, a, so. I don't see a ton of competition for targets in New England. Maybe we see a Nikhil Harry breakout. Maybe there's something out of uh, Muhammad Sanu or Jacoby Myers or one of these guys. I doubt it, but maybe. But even like with a 25% target share in this offense, I think he easily could be around, you know, 125, 130 targets with Cam Newton throwing the football. And Look, Cam Newton actually doesn't love throwing the ball deep. I remember the Carolina days. He always loved checking down to his running back. He might take you over the top. I remember Ted Ginn dropping quite a few of those back in the day. <laughs> Even when he had Kelvin Benjamin, he loved like taking a shot over the top every once in a while. But in 2018, right. which was the first year or the, the most recent year, we saw Cam as a full-time starter. He was 28th in the NFL out of all qualified quarterbacks and average depth of target. So he wasn't throwing the ball far down Dang. the field on all of his attempts. So I see Edelman and James White seeing tons of opportunity in this offense underneath. They could take over that kind of like McCaffrey, Greg Olson role. Like I know Greg Olson wasn't a slot receiver, but when you think about what he represented in that offense, I think Edelman could represent a lot of that for Cam Newton and Bill Belichick here in 2020. So look, the volume's going to come down, but there still still should be plenty of opportunity for Edelman to beat his current ADP of wide receiver 32. And if I get him as a stable flex option in the sixth or seventh round, I'm thrilled. Yeah, I view him as like a possession safe play. You know, think of like a Jarvis Landry type of profile. Granted, I don't think Edelman has the the end zone, 10 zone, yard creating abilities that Landry has. But Edelman's going to be a sneaky slot guy, just like he's always been. You, know, you talk about the short sneaky, week passing sneaky. game. And I remember I remember on that episode, the, the breaking episode where we talked about um, right when Cam had initially signed with the Patriots. And I asked you the question, is Julian Edelman going to be the new Greg Olson here? And over time, I feel like both of us have been slightly more and more bullish on that comparison between those two, letting Edelman just be that you know, safety valve for Cam uh, and everything else. I'm I'm interested in this Patriots offense. I think there's going to be a lot of differences, things that we have not seen with Josh McDaniels now that, that Brady is gone there. I think that's a whole different playbook. When I look at some of those guys around his ADP. I see Tyler Boyd, who I know we'll talk about on this pod. I see Jarvis, yeah. A.J. Green, Stephon Diggs. But I look at these A.J. Green and Stephon Diggs guys, and the upside is huge. So I guess in this sense, it depends on roster construction. Like if you go out in round one and two, and you have, we'll make this up, Amari Cooper and Cooper Cup as your wide receiver one and two, those are really volatile players. So you're probably going to want to go with Edelman to give you some stability. But if you go out in round one and two and you got like a DJ Moore and a Robert Woods, that's where probably with that pick I'd rather go with an AJ Green. So Edelman right there, I'm perfectly fine with him. And I'm going to be hyped. Like we said, there are so many receivers in that tier this year. You're going to be able to find value in round six and seven. And that's why it's important to go running back earlier. You know, maybe you got a shot at a Travis Kelsey or George Kittle earlier this season just because there is so much depth at the wide receiver position. Yeah, and we're seeing... You know, three and four wide receiver sets coming out at an all-time high in the league. It's just the wide receiver depth this year is insane. Uh, in terms of other pass catchers in New England, uh, is Nikhil Harry a guy that you're looking at 
as an option. I've been picking him up in a lot of places as my last pick, second to last pick, just for the upside that he could potentially have. We saw him start to pull it together a little bit in that playoff stretch. He actually led the Patriots in targets uh, over the playoffs. I guess that when they played, what was that, Tennessee? And I, What do you think about Nikhil Harry here? Do you see him as just kind of taking over that Kelvin Benjamin or Devin Funchess role that we've seen Cam perform with <laughs> in the past? I mean, even if he does, do you want the Kelvin Benjamin or Devin Funchess <laughs> role? I mean, hear those names you just said. So I, I, it's just tough. The upside for Nikhil Harry, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I'm staying away. Like if if I'm wrong on Nikhil Harry, I don't even I'm not even like a Nikhil Harry hater. I'm just probably not going to draft him. I don't know a ton about the guy to be honest. I don't know how he's going to fit in with Cam Newton here in New England. I don't know what the offense is going to look like this year. So in his range, I see Preston Williams, Sammy Watkins, Michael Pittman, Brashad Perriman, even way down the list. I see players like you know Paris Campbell, James Washington. So I'm never going to take Nikhil Harry because there's just so many other receiver names I'd rather take with that upside shot. But Steph. We won't talk too much Patriots here. Let's go ahead and move on. I want to hear your first wide receiver breakdown of today's show. Man, I'm hyped for this player. It's a guy that I've really been rising on as the offseason has progressed. I've actually started to <laughs> avoid taking the risk on A.J. Green entirely and just scooping up Tyler Boyd around later in the seventh round. Boyd is coming off back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. He was a wide receiver 18 last year. Uh, with Andy Dalton and the Ryan Finley experiment in Cincinnati. He was a wide receiver 17 the year before that, and I think he should be near that range again. Right now he's going as the wide receiver 31, and I have him around wide receiver 24 in my rankings. He is a great option for where he's going in drafts. He's not an upside play, like a boom-bust guy, kind of like a Hollywood Brown uh, who I also like, but he's a great stability play with a splash of upside. Kind of like you're talking about with Julian Edelman. You know, maybe you get DK Metcalf, who's very boom bust, who could totally explode, but the, the volume could also be limited. Maybe an AJ Brown, right? You can hedge against that with a Julian Edelman or a Tyler Boyd. What we've seen from Boyd is he's a reliable slot receiver who's put up much better numbers when there's actually a perimeter receiver like AJ Green operating as the alpha number one. A lot of people saw green and I, I fell right into this trap as well you see AJ green coming back and you see that as a bad thing for boyd it's actually been a major plus based on what we've seen uh, when green was on the field in 2018 in the nine games that green played in that season boyd averaged eight targets 80 yards and a touchdown every other game without green Boyd averaged 6.8 targets, 62 yards, and .29 touchdowns per game. So a touchdown every three games. So Boyd was literally better and more efficient from a volume standpoint and a yardage standpoint with a healthy A.J. Green on the field. I think we can agree that Joe Burrow should be an upgrade over Andy Dalton. Maybe not right away, just with this, uh, you know, the weird COVID season, lack of preparation. But, I mean, Burrow had that playbook before he was even drafted and has been studying. I'm expecting big things from Burrow. And that's kind of already baked into that ADP at wide receiver 31 with Boyd. Now, one of the biggest concerns in Cincinnati is the offensive line. But Jonah Williams, the Bengals' 11th overall pick out of Alabama just uh, in the 2019 draft, he's back now from a shoulder injury. Since he went out and signed a veteran free agent right guard in Xavier Suofilo, he'll be good for for pass pro. Wow, that pronunciation was A1, Steph. I would have given up on that name. (laughs) Did you have to, like, Google translate that definition? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the trick is just to sound like you're 100% confident with whatever you roll with. Exactly. But uh, (laughs) from an offensive line that was 26 in run blocking 
and 20th in pass blocking. I do expect that to improve, maybe not a ton, but improvement nonetheless. John Ross is supposed to be back healthy. They drafted T. Higgins to be their heir apparent to A.J. Green. And a lot of people expect big things from Joe Mixon this year. And the Bengals did upgrade their defense in some places as well, but this should still be a team playing from behind quite often. And what I love about this Boyd pick is the upside combined with the safety. So think about it in kind of two different ways. If Joe Burrow and and A.J. Green and John Ross are healthy, Boyd will be heavily relied upon still in this offense. He'll be a, a pivotal piece of this offense. And worst case scenario, let's say there's plenty of garbage time. A.J. Green and John Ross can't stay on the field. And then you get Boyd from last year when he got 150 targets with Ryan Finley and Andy Dalton there. So I've really come around on Boyd. I love stacking up on running back early this year and grabbing all the receiver value left in the mid rounds. And and Tyler Boyd is just one of those guys in that tier. He's kind of moved to the top of the, you know, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry type of range for me. It's still going to be somewhat dependent on roster construction, but I, I like Tyler Boyd a lot this year as a safe wide receiver two or flex option. Yeah, Steph, I I like that take. Like Zach Taylor coming out of that Sean McVay um, offense, that Sean McVay coaching tree from L.A., I expect Zach Taylor to be able to get it done. Um, So with him, with Joe Burrow, with a better O-line, with all these weapons at wide receiver, and and Joe Mixon at running back, like you said, like I'm excited to see this Bengals offense this year. And with this receiving core, like this is a weird analogy, but if like A.J. Green is Mr. Incredible, Tyler Boyd is Frozone. Like he's never going to be in the spotlight. He's probably better if he's like alongside of Mr. Incredible. Um, So when I look at this receiving core, like that's how it's made up. And I think Boyd on his own doesn't quite have the upside to get it done. Um, Like I don't see him having potential to be a wide receiver one where A.J. Green, when he hits his max potential, could be a top five receiver in fantasy. So it's a weird like Mr. Incredible Frozone situation. I guess you got John Ross's dash as well. Uh, (laughs) But like A.J. Green right now, he's going as ADP wide receiver 28. And when he's been healthy, you said this before on the pod, when A.J. Green is healthy, he is productive for fantasy. Here are his fantasy finishes in 2013 wide receiver four. 2014, wide receiver 16 in points per game. He only played 13 games. 2015, wide receiver 8. 2016, wide receiver 5 in points per game. He only played 10 games. 2017, wide receiver 10. 2018, only played 9 games, but he was a top 16 wide receiver in points per game. So literally every season he's playing, when he's healthy, he like worst case scenario, he's a high-end wide receiver 2, and right now he's going as a wide receiver 3. So A.J. Green is one of those guys where if you want to take a gamble on an upside play, Go with A.J. Green in the sixth or seventh round of your draft. And if he stays healthy, you're going to see the return. Where John Ross, or not John Ross, with Tyler Boyd, I see it very differently. Like you said, he can produce, honestly, with or without A.J. Green. But Boyd, I, I, I just see him as like a stable wide receiver, too, at best. Um, and who knows what's going to happen in this I mean, offensive. Relative to his ADP, ahead. though, that's that's pretty solid. I mean, you're that's great. No, yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy to take both. Like, I'm in on both guys this year. I find myself drafting them in plenty of mocks. And honestly, I, like, I don't mind John Ross as a flyer late either. Yep. He's the wide receiver 82 right now, which is basically free. And in the eight games he played last season, he averaged seven targets a game. And with how valuable his targets could be down the field with all those air yards, I think John Ross could be a, you know, a deep shot flex for us at some point this year. Like if you listen to the pot throughout the season, John Ross's name probably will come up as a deep shot of the week, especially yep. if Joe Burrow succeeds early. So I see Higgins and Ross kind of splitting the wide receiver three role, but it should be Ross early on, and maybe Higgins gets more involved later on in the season. Um, but look, I, I'm willing to take a shot on a lot of these Bengals wide receivers. And Steph, I know you are all in on Joe Burrow in the last round. So that just speaks volumes to what this offense could do in 2020. 
I love it, man. I, I love it. I, Boyd at, at wide receiver 31, when I went through these numbers, it's just like, how we, how is he that low? Like, at, at absolute lowest, I think he should be at the, the you know, mid to low 20s. And that's where I have him in my rankings. So, Alex, let's kick it back to you. because there's so many good receivers this year. That's the tough thing. There's so many receivers. Like, you look at these guys, and to move them up <laughs> in the rankings, you have to put them in front of, like, a – Devontae Parker or a DJ Chark or a Tyler Lockett. And it's so tough to do because there are so many receivers that in a normal year are going to be a wide receiver two this season that you're going to get wide receiver two value as, you know, getting wide receiver 30 in your draft. So it's it's going to be interesting. But Steph, I think you were hinting at it. I'll go ahead and jump to my next guy, someone I'm super excited about this year. And like, I didn't see this coming at all, but it's Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper right now is ADP wide receiver 12. And I find myself getting him in the third round of drafts a lot. And that's perfect for me because that means I've either gone running back, running back, and Cooper can be my wide receiver one with two stud running backs, or I'm going running back receiver. And I I have like Mike Evans and Amari Cooper or something ridiculous like that, or a Devontae Adams and Amari Cooper, which is an insane wide receiver core with a ton of upside. So I look at this ADP of wide receiver 12, and I'm all in. He finished the season last year as the wide receiver 10 on 119 targets and i actually see him getting slightly more targets in 2020 even though they did bring in cd lamb so this is a you know a a very popular stat in the fantasy industry randall cobb and jason Witten are both vacating 83 targets each you've heard that everywhere but i see cd lamb truly taking over a lot of that volume i don't think he's going to cut into amari cooper's workload as that true number one receiver on the dallas cowboys and look so Cooper had those 119 targets last year, and no, he didn't miss any games, but he was definitely affected by injuries last season while he was quote-unquote active. Like, yeah. there were game days where he was on, like, supposed to be on the field, and he just barely got any snaps. So if you look at last season, Michael Gallup actually played more snaps than Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup missed two games. So Amari Cooper, we all know he's the wide receiver one on this offense. He just was not on the field because something was bothering him. Um, due to that leg injury that he had. So, like, Amari Cooper should have returned a lot more last season. And through the first 10 weeks of the year, he was the wide receiver four. Like, I know in our league, Amari Cooper was, like, being talked about in the same realm as the Michael Thomases of the world because through over half of the season, you were getting that production from him week in and week out. And it's just telling. When you look at the snap count, it's just so telling. Like, Chris Conley and Larry Fitzgerald played more snaps than Amari Cooper last season. So... Just knowing that he's going to be on the field more often in a pass-happy offense and a run-happy offense, they're just going Look, to be a crazy that, offense this here's season. Here's the thing. Dude, Kellen Morris had the Cowboys running at third in pace of play. And what what is exactly. what goes into the equation of pace of play? It's a good O-line, a good quarterback, and a bad defense. All of those come into play here in Dallas. Perfect. So I love it. I think there's going to be so much just to go around. When all three Cowboy wide receivers were on the field last year, they were all top 31 in fantasy points. So I, I think there's yep. plenty of volume to go around. The CD Lamb pick does not scare me at all. And I think that's that's good for guys like us who want to get that fantasy value on a name like Amari Cooper. So I, I love the pick there. I love all the Cowboys this year, honestly. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm hyped. Like you said it. It's like a Venn diagram with like bad defense is one of the circles. Good O-line is a circle. So like the pace of play is there. And I, I look at this team and I'm like, dang, Dak Prescott's going to throw the ball 600 times. And I'm like, oh, shoot, that means Zeke can't get 300 carries. And then I step back and look at the numbers. I'm like, oh, wait, Zeke can get 300 carries and Dak can throw the ball 600 times because they are going to run 
a crazy amount of snaps this year. So I'm with you. I think Cooper is still the best receiver on this team. He was third in yards above replacement in 2019, according to Football Outsiders. So, look, the points might come a little bit inconsistently with Amari Cooper, but I have no problem taking him. Um, And then when I look at the other guys on that team, you mentioned Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. Gallup's going at wide receiver 33. Lamb is going at wide receiver 40. I'm perfectly fine to take a shot on those guys as well. The Cowboys ran 11 personnel. Two third on two thirds of their plays last season. That means there are three wide receivers on the field, so opportunity is going to be there for all of them. And I think all three could finish in the top thirty this season. Wow, I, I like that as a as a hot take out there. And you know, we look at you know Gallup. To me, he's he's in that same tier. You know, when you look at uh, any of your cheat sheets, right? He's going to be with the Jarvis Landry's and the Tyler Boyd's of the world. Gallup, to me, take the same take Tyler Boyd and just remove some of the stability, add in a little bit more of a ceiling on a week-to-week basis. And that's how I think Michael Gallup is. So I love him as a, as a two or a flex option. Um, I, I, there's just so much to be had here in terms of fantasy for the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Steph, go ahead and give me your next wide receiver breakdown. I think I'm pretty excited to hear this one if it's the player that I'm thinking. <laughs> I think of. it is the player that you're thinking of, and I'm a huge DJ Moore truther. And shout out to our boy Ryan McCarthy. He asked us on our last pod in our backfield battles. Guys, go check that out if you had not had a chance to yet. We got into a lot of the running back splits and the running back by committee breakdowns. Uh, but Ryan McCarthy asked, can, can we break down DJ Moore? Ryan, yes, we can. And I love DJ Moore in 2020 redraft and in Dynasty. I have him as a low-end wide receiver one this year over names like Adam Thielen, Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, and Juju. And for me, it comes down to the fact that Moore is a perfect weapon for a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater. In his second season last year, just 14 games, Moore saw 135 targets from Kyle Allen and finishes the wide receiver 16. And he was able to put up almost 1,200 yards because he's fast. And where he really excels is on slants and dig routes, the easiest throws for quarterbacks to make and for receivers to bring in. So those were easy completions for Kyle Allen. And who else do we know that excelled on slants and dig routes with Teddy Bridgewater? Oh, yeah, it was Michael Thomas back with the Saints last year. Hmm, Michael Thomas was absolutely dominant all season. And when Teddy came in for Drew Brees, he did not miss a beat. Teddy had 30 or more pass attempts per game from week two to week seven. And during that stretch, here are Michael Thomas's per game averages. 11 targets, eight and a half receptions, 107 yards, and a touchdown every other week. On a per game basis, that's 22 fantasy points. That's the ceiling. I'm not projecting it. I'm just saying that's the ceiling that DJ Moore has to be this year's Michael Thomas. There was an explosive element to Moore missing last year in the touchdown category. And I blame that primarily on the way that the offense was set up with Kyle Allen just checking it down to McCaffrey a billion times a game. But with Matt Rule and Joe Brady coming in and Teddy Bridgewater, I'm just expecting positive regression in all categories, but especially the touchdown category. And even if DJ Moore just gets four touchdowns, He's still a safe, reliable option that has a massive ceiling just from the volume alone. He finished in the top 10 in routes run, targets, receptions, and receiving yards last year. And I expect it to at least remain the same, if not massively explode here in 2020. Uh, I'm all aboard this DJ Moore hype train. I'm not going to lie, Steph. Like that, that's a pretty compelling argument. I'm rising on DJ Moore. I was actually very, very low on him. Um, earlier on in the offseason, and he's slowly but surely been creeping up my rankings. I think I'm right in line with ADP right now. I have him as my wide receiver 12 
Um, so, you know, I just haven't found myself taking him very often, though, because there are so many names in that same range that I like a lot more, like Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, Odell Beckham. Um, so I haven't found myself, Amari Cooper, who we talked about earlier, so I haven't found myself taking a lot of DJ Moore, but that's not to say that I don't think he's a good player and that he's going to have a good season. Um, for me, there's just so much uncertainty with this Carolina Panthers team. I mean, new head coach, new quarterback. They bring in Robbie Anderson on a decent free agent deal. And I just don't know, like, I'm just concerned about DJ Moore's target volume. If he gets 130 targets, I think he's a locked-in wide receiver one this year. I, I just don't know if he's going to get there. I, I think he's going to get I hope so. And here's the thing. It's tough. It's like fire against ice, what wins? Because Teddy Bridgewater, we know if it was up to him, would probably throw the ball 25 times a game. But this Panthers defense is going to be so bad and so young that I think there could be a path where Teddy Bridgewater's throwing the ball 35 times a game and he's up at 550, 600 attempts this year. And if that's the case, DJ Moore will get those targets and he will return on value. But I just don't know how it's going to break down. So, DJ look, Moore, I, I'm not look. hating on DJ Moore at all. I think he's going to have a great connection with Teddy because their play styles align, like you just said, with how, with how good Teddy was with what, how good Teddy was with Michael Thomas. But... I don't know. I, I'm not all in yet on DJ Moore. Here's the thing, too. Like this is in a worst case scenario for Moore. He's what he was last year, which was fine. You know, mid mid uh, wide receiver two weekly startable option. He had a few blow up games, but like everything should improve with all the upgrades that should. this team has made. And something I know about Matt Rule just from researching him a little bit is he loves to run RPOs. And what they don't get with Teddy Bridgewater is the ability to run the ball with the quarterback. Yes, Teddy can can scramble. He can be, you know, he can he make moves in the pocket. I'm not going to say he's like a, you know, Tom Brady type, but you know, he's not a guy that's a, a Lamar Jackson or even like a even like a Gardner Minshew that's going to get all this this ground usage. And so from that perspective, I see a lot of plays here where Teddy's just going to be eyeing the outside linebacker and Based on what he does, he's either going to hand it to McCaffrey or check it down to DJ Moore on just a quick slant. I I think that's going to be something we see a ton here in 2020. And I just like like you said, like it could be 600 pass attempts. I love him this year. He's just one of the most safe wide receiver one options to me. Yeah, for sure. And Steph, real quickly, let's hit on the other guys in that offense. So I mentioned Robbie Anderson. We got Curtis Samuel as well. Anderson's going as wide receiver 57. Curtis Samuel's wide receiver 62. Um, I'm not really interested in either for fantasy football. Maybe you take a flyer on one, but I, I think they're both going to kind of like counteract each other. They're both going to have their fair share of yeah. big plays. You know, maybe one week Curtis Samuel has five catches for 120 yards and a touchdown, but it's just going to be hard to predict. And same for Robbie Anderson. So, Steph, I'm kind of out on those guys. There's other guys at that ADP I like a lot more, like, you know, Brashad Perriman, Deshaun Jackson, James Washington. Um, Steph, do you have any interest yeah. in either Robbie or – Curtis Samuel, I think they help Teddy more than anything. Yeah, they're going to be good weapons for Teddy. They're going to spread things out. Like, I think Robbie Anderson's best utility is going to be opening things up a little bit more for McCaffrey so they can't just stack the box uh, against him. They're not really guys that I'm eyeing in any format. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be weeks where we're deep into the season and we're saying to stream uh, a Robbie Anderson for one week. You know, I, I'm certain that they're going to have their games. I think Teddy Bridgewater is slept on in the deep passing game, uh, but they're just not. There's not going to be enough volume there. When I think DJ Moore is going to get so much of that funneled volume, it could even be in the Panthers this year a a like Devonte Parker type situation from last year where there's just plenty of garbage time and, and plenty of volume and scores to go around at the end of games. So um, all in on DJ Moore, but not really about some of these other options there. No, I love it. I'm with you 100. percent 
Um, so for my next guy, I'm going to go ahead and, and pick Mike Evans on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Steph, I'm going to put this take out there for Ooh. Mike Evans, talk about him a little bit. But I really want to do this in a – like, I don't want to do this Mike Evans against every other receiver. I want to break down Mike Evans versus Chris Godwin here. Um, and I'm really yeah. going to dig into Mike Evans, and I want to get your take as well on which one you'd rather have. Because right now, their ADP wide receiver six is Godwin, and ADP wide receiver seven is Mike Evans. So it's like you're on the clock. If you're taking a Bucks receiver – Take your choice of who you think is going to be better in 2020. Um, but for me, it's Mike Evans. He has more proven consistency wow. over time as an elite wide receiver. And he was fifth in fantasy points per game last season. And it feels like no one's talking about him at all. I feel like I haven't heard any Mike Evans hype all offseason. All I'm hearing is that Tom Brady can't get the ball downfield to him. And I'm like, that is garbage. <laughs> and I'll get into that in a second. Yeah. Um, but Mike Evans literally six straight 1,000-yard seasons every single year of his career, 1,000 yards. Um, his career fantasy finishes wide receiver 15, wide receiver 9, wide receiver 17, wide receiver 3, wide receiver 23, and wide receiver 13. So he's a wide receiver 2 lock. That is his absolute floor is around wide receiver 20. His upside is a top 3 wide receiver in this offense. And now the Bucks get Tom Brady. And I know people are thinking like, oh, Jameis Winston threw the ball 10 billion times last season. But he only threw it 13 more times than TB12 himself. So Tom Brady aired it out last year. His arm has still got enough juice um, to get the ball out 600-plus times. And the other narrative is like, oh, even if he throws it a lot, Godwin is going to eat because he's going to line up more in the slot and get all the underneath stuff. Tom Brady's not going to throw it downfield. Like, I'm not buying that narrative. Uh, Mike Evans last season, for reference, was ninth in the NFL in average depth of target with 15.1 as his average depth of target, which is ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> and Brady just had no downfield targets last season. Like, who was he throwing it to? Julian Edelman and Jacoby Myers? Like, Muhammad Josh Sanu. Gordon for, like, four games. Josh Gordon for, like, two games. And three <laughs> games, whatever. Yeah, maybe it was four, whatever. But you go back to 2018, like, a race last season. Go back to 2018, and Brady's average depth of target from the quarterback position was 7.9, which was higher than Andrew Luck who everyone thinks of as a gunslinger, higher than Big Ben, higher than Phillip Rivers, higher than Dak Prescott. That was just two years ago when he actually had weapons. He had Josh Gordon. He had Gronk. So Brady's willing to throw the ball downfield when he's got someone who's actually good. But when all your receivers suck, what do they expect you to do? So, look, I think Brady is a huge upgrade to Mike Evans' situation. For me, Evans is a lock for 1,000 yards this season. If he ends up getting to double-digit touchdowns, maybe he pushes 12 or 14. He could easily be a top five, top three wide receiver this year. And I'm willing to take wow. that upside over Chris Godwin. I, I I do love that as a hot take, but I, I just don't see a world where Evans passes Godwin, maybe from a deep target per, you know area, like more yardage for Evans, sure. But in terms of touchdowns and overall target share, I think – Godwin's going to dominate and everything that we like before last season Arians came out and said we're going to use Godwin a ton and we're not going to take him off the field well last year he was 96 percent uh snap share uh 50 of that was from the slot but that was number nine across all wide receivers last year in terms of snaps played and he was had a 91.6 percent route participation which was fourth overall in the league he was 17th in targets 23rd overall in deep targets so it was still getting some action down the field as well just you know i kind of put them at a level playing field like yes evans has an advantage in terms of like a 50 50 ball you know, go up and get it back in the end zone type of skill set and godwin kind of makes up for that in the you know in and out you know shorter routes safety valves on on slants and things like that so 
I, it's tough for me to put Evans over Godwin. I love that as a hot take, though, and I think it certainly could happen. Uh, but, I, I mean, I love both of these guys this year, and you just laid out all the reasons. Like, Evans should not get faded. People are saying that, you know, everybody loves Godwin, and they're using that as a reason on its own to fade Mike Evans. And I just don't think that's a smart decision at all uh, when you see that the what these guys are doing on the field. And last thing I will say, Chris Godwin is insane from a yards after catch uh, scenario. He was number one overall amongst wow. wide receivers in yards after the catch. Whereas, again, we're going to throw it up throw it up in a 50-50 ball for Mike Evans, and he's just going to come down with it. Hopefully that's a touchdown, and that's where he can kind of make his hay against Chris Godwin in this offense. But in terms of yardage on the season, uh, like on the ground, on his own that he's creating, I expect Godwin to still be in the top tier uh, when it comes to that uh, category. But, I mean, honestly, man, I love both of these options. Yeah. I, I hate seeing the fades here on Mike Evans. I really Absolutely. Do. And I think that's maybe what I'm trying to instill is, like, stop fading Mike Evans. And we talk about upside. I know I said Evans has top three upside. Well, Godwin was the wide receiver two last year in 14 games. So he, both guys realistically could finish as the wide receiver one if the touchdowns go their way and things like that. And, look, if, if I'm coming out of the draft and somehow – I don't think this would be the case because there are so many similar receivers up there at that ADP. But, like, if I have Godwin and Evans as my two receivers, probably not ideal because you're going to be a little bit boomer bust. But, like, are you really mad about it? <laughs> and I just – I'm hyped this year to see – I mean, think about this on the goal line. You see some wacky motion where all of a sudden Gronk splits out to the left. Mike Evans splits out to the right. And Jeez. you literally can't double the jump ball on the outside because if you double both sides, there's going to be <laughs> wide open running room for Ronald Jones. Maybe Godwin is in the slot. Like it's going to be impossible to guard this team in the red zone. It's going to be a ton of fun. And bottom line is if you end up with Mike Evans or Chris Godwin as your wide receiver one, you're going to be in pretty good shape. I have to commend the Buccaneers for a number of reasons. I mean, one, like Tom Brady knows what he's doing when he goes to the Buccaneers. He wants weapons. That's what he wants to do. I I feel like he's going to Tampa, not because they have, um, you know, they gave him some crazy deal, not because they have some, you know, massive market. They're one of the, the smallest teams in the league in terms of uh, their, like, popularity and fandom. It's because he knows the weapons that they have, the coaching and the playbook that they have, and he's going to be able to go in there and make it a little bit of his own and dominate with it. And, and with that said, too, the Bucks have really shored up every single aspect of their offense. Short passing game, deep passing game, offensive line, running game. So I, I'm extremely excited for the Buccaneers. I think everybody is. Like We're just hoping that everything works out this season and we get a full 16 games just so we can see uh, Tampa Bay here uh, in 2020. We need it. And real quick, I just want to call out LaShawn McCoy for ring chasing because <laughs> last year he goes to Kansas City, is kind of trash, and gets the ring. This year he just happens to go to Tampa Bay. What are the odds? And it's probably the only team that was willing to sign him. But still, it's like LaShawn McCoy, sneaky, sneaky, shady McCoy could go back-to-back -back here with Super Bowls if the, if the Buccaneers are able to do something special here in 2020. But <laughs> all jokes aside, Steph, I'll pass it back over to you for your next wide receiver breakdown. All right, so we've been hyping guys up, you know, talking about players that we love relative to their ADPs. I want to cool it down a little bit, and it's not going to be a fade, but I want to talk about Christian Kirk and his fit in the Cardinals offense. He's been a very polarizing fantasy name. You hear a lot of people saying that, you know, Christian Kirk is just garbage. He's he's terrible. He sucks. His measurables are awful. We have other people that say, oh, he's going to be a great deep threat option. We love the Cardinals offense. Kyler's so good. He's going to be able to sling it deep to him. Uh, so... 
Kirk finishes the wide receiver 38 last year. He had a few blow-up games. There was one where he did have three touchdowns in one game, which is funny because those were the only three scores he had on the entire season. We know DeAndre Hopkins is now in Arizona. He's going to command volume as a no-question top five receiver in the NFL. And Hopkins has seen at least 150 targets over the last five years. So even if you don't think Hopkins can see that type of volume with a new offense, new system, you still have to have him in place for a huge target share. And I have conservatively projected for 135 targets, which is a 23% target share. And admittedly, I think that's low um, compared to the other projections that I've seen. And then Larry Legend, Larry Fitzgerald saw Dude, 109. this guy keeps going. He saw 109 targets last year. That was one more target than Christian Kirk had. And Fitz has never Ooh. seen less than 100 targets ever in his career since 2004. Like, this is unreal. Is he ever going to stop? <laughs> is he ever going to stop? I, I don't know, man. I think he's going for some crazy records here. But we have to expect him to, to you know, continue. Like, I don't see any reason other than, yes, he's getting older. But he was old last year, and he still saw 110 targets. So I expect him to get his in 2020. So what does that leave for Christian Kirk after Hopkins and Fitzgerald get their targets? Kirk saw, like I said, 109 or 108 targets last year. I think best case scenario for Kirk is for him to get close to 100 targets. I just don't expect him to get there. I have him no. around 90. As long as both Fitz and Hopkins are there, it's really hard to see where Kirk is going to see upside just from a volume standpoint. And Kirk leaves a lot to be desired in terms of his scoring ability, his, his usage in the red zone. He actually saw 11 red zone receptions, which was ninth in the league last year, but he only scored three touchdowns. Like I said, all of those came in one game. And again, Larry Legend <laughs> passed him again with four touchdowns of his own on the season. And if you look at player profiler, Christian Kirk and Robert Woods are actually very similar from a measurables perspective. We all love Robert Woods this year. I'll be talking about him a little bit later on in this episode. But, you know, that sounds like a good thing up front. But we have to remember Robert Woods' first four seasons in the league when he was with the Bills. He was efficient with the yardage and his, his catch rate was very good, but he was only getting 80 targets a year. He wasn't able to put up more than three or four touchdowns. That's just not a player that I want to invest in. I'm sure Hopkins will open things up for Kirk on the outside, but he's just, he's too boom bust. Out of all the deep threat boom guys like Marvin Jones, like Deontay Johnson, like Darius Slayton, Kirk is, is at the very, very bottom of that tier for me. And what's really soured Kirk for me in our home dynasty league is he's one of those guys, Alex, that I just, I never know like when I'm going to start him to the point that I'm worried that if I do start him and he busters out completely, he's going to burn me and actually be a negative, have a negative impact on my fantasy season and my lineup. A third of Christian Kirk's games, again, this is last year when he was heavily relied upon in a fast paced Cardinals offense. He was on the field for 98% of snaps. And a third of his games were absolute duds, less than 10 fantasy points. Like, I, I just can't invest in that. You add in the injury history. He missed seven games in two seasons already. I don't mind the flyer on Kirk, but he's the last of the tier and a guy I'm not going to have many shares of in 2020 just because I don't see a massive ceiling being there for Kirk at that ADP. Yeah, dude, I'm right there with you. Like, what is – it's interesting because I have him ranked exactly at his ADP right now, but I still get kind of disgusted whenever I have him on my roster. And it's like – Christian Kirk is the equivalent to a bag of pretzels. <laughs> you know, it's like you go get your lunch and there's all the chips sitting there and you got like your barbecue. This is a hot take. The salt and vinegar, all the good ones on one side, the ones that you Whoa. love. And then you got the garbage ones, like the weird mustard ranch and all that. And you're just like, I'm totally out on those. But like the safe option that really 
means nothing and tastes like nothing is the pretzels in the middle. Maybe get a little <laughs> bit of salt in there. Congratulations. But it's like you're not like thrilled about it and you're not upset about it. But you're like, ah, it's fine. That's how I feel about Christian Kirk. If he's on my roster, I'm like, you know what? It's fine. But I'd rather take a risk. And I could end up with something like a salt and vinegar. You don't really know how it's going to be. And then it ends up being amazing. So, you know, around his ADP, I like you said, I just don't get what the point is of drafting him because the ceiling's not there at all. And if I'm going for floor, I'd rather go with someone like a Jamison Crowder or a Golden Tate or somebody that I feel really steady and consistent right. about on a week-to-week basis. So for me, I'm just I'm kind of out on Christian Kirk. I haven't found him to be on any of my teams. And I love what you said about DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. And it, it's weird for me because a lot of people have talked about how DeAndre Hopkins actually takes a step back this season and he's not as valuable in fantasy because he goes from Deshaun Watson to Kyler Murray. And I'm just like, y'all are crazy. Even if you think Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback, which at this point in his career, he is until Kyler proves this otherwise, hopefully this season. But like Deshaun Watson's career high in attempts, I know he's only played like two full seasons, but it's 505. And I expect Kyler to push 600 this year. So even if Hopkins' target share is only 25%, if Kyler throws it 600 times, that's 150 targets. He had 150 targets in Houston last season. And it's from a quarterback that can throw the ball probably just as good, if not better, than Deshaun Watson. So, you know, I look at this Cardinals team. I think there are the targets to go around. Farrow Cooper, Damier Bird, and Keyshawn Johnson combined for 121 targets last season. I think it's safe to say those guys will not combine for 121 (laughs) targets this year. And imagine how good Kyler Murray is going to be when he's throwing to DeAndre Hopkins 121 times instead of those guys whose names I could have made up and no one would have noticed. (laughs) So, um, I mean, I'm big on Hopkins. I have him right at that 150 target mark, like I said. And you said it best about Fitz. The 100 target thing, I came across that in my research as well, and it was nuts. I think this finally is the year. He is not at 100 targets, but look, look for Fitz to prove us wrong again. He's doing it time and time again. Um, but I do still have Fitz at 80 to 90 targets. I think he will be involved, but he's not going to be a focal point of the offense like he has been in the past. So for me, it's like if I get Hopkins early second round, I'm I'm thrilled, and I think his upside is there. But as far as Kirk and Fitzgerald go, I'm probably out. But all in all, I think this is going to be a great, fun receiving core for Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. And I'm expecting some big things out of the Cardinals this year. I think they're one of those teams that people have their eye on. Like, I think about the Browns last season with all the hype going in, picking up Odell with the trade, things like that. It's kind of like the Cardinals of this year, second-year quarterback. Is he going to take a step forward, gets a stud wide receiver? So we'll see what happens with the Cardinals. Hopefully it goes better than the Browns experiment. Sorry, Steph, but (laughs) that's kind of how I'm thinking about this football team right now. Yeah, this like I feel like for Christian Kirk, you know, with how injured he's been, He's one injury away from Andy Isabella just coming in, having a few blow-up games, and just taking over. Isabella was a second-round pick. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's just nothing that that makes me crazy about Kirk. Like, maybe if he had a really good measurables profile, and we know he can create all the separation, maybe. But I'm just not seeing that from him. I need to see more. And he just he's he's off my draft board pretty much. I'd much rather take a flyer on a much deeper name like a. I mean, even you threw some of them out there, but even like Randall Cobb, James Washington. Just give me sure. some guy that's purely upside. That's a pure dart throw. Not this kind of middling option that'll have some boom games maybe every once in a while, but I'm never going to know when those are going to come. So, uh, anyways, enough on Christian Kirk. Alex, give us your next wide receiver here. All right, this is my last one today, I think it is. So, save the best for last. One of my favorite players in the NFL, it's T.Y. Hilton. Right now, his ADP is wide receiver 24, which has actually creeped up a little bit. And, like... I get people have this narrative around T.Y. Hilton not being able to stay healthy, 
But since entering the league, here are his fantasy football finishes. He was the wide. Remember, he's going as wide receiver 24 right now. Here are his fantasy finishes. Wide receiver 19, wide receiver 12, wide receiver 22, wide receiver 5, wide receiver 27, and wide receiver 14. And last year, he was wide receiver 5 in points per game before he went out with his injury. So the worst season in there was wide receiver 27. That was when Brissett got thrown in because of Andrew Luck's injury and was absolute trash back like three years ago, but not even this past season. So that was in a terrible quarterback situation, and he still was a high-end wide receiver three. So I look at T.Y. this year, and if he's healthy, there's no reason to believe he's not going to be a top 24 wide receiver. So, you know, you look at what he did last season. He was actually really effective before he went out with that injury. And now you get Phillip Rivers, who has thrown for 4,200 or more yards in 10 of his last 11 seasons. And it's like, T.Y., like, how is Phillip Rivers going to throw for 4,000-plus yards this year without T.Y. Hilton getting to the 1,000 or 1,200 mark? It's just not going to happen if if T.Y. Hilton's not there. So, you know, Rivers is still willing to sling the ball. I know people say what they want about him getting older as well and him not being as good and throwing for all these interceptions. But you look at what happened last season in L.A., one, they had no fans. Like, I, I guess he was training for this year. So, wow, that was a good warm-up. Um, did not even plan that one. But they had no fans. They – no support system. Their O-line was trash. I think their O-line also were fans of another team. And now you come into this Colts team that maybe the weapons aren't quite as good, but you've got a great offensive line. You have a great running game. And he's going to be able to do what he wants and not have to feel like he has to chuck the ball down the field a million times. So, you know, Phillip Rivers can still get it done. I'm not worried about him at all. And the only other competition for targets on this team are Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman, and Jack Doyle. And I think, you know, Jack Doyle's like a fine tight end. He's good. I think Campbell and Pittman have a ton of upside, but Campbell basically redshirted last year. I know he played some games, but yeah. he was battling injury. And then Pittman's coming in as a rookie from the you know, second-round pick. So it's like, are those guys really going to step up and take over T.Y. Hilton this year? I just don't think so. And it's like... I just don't see how people are fading T.Y. Hilton so far without saying, hey, he's going to get hurt. And honestly, the injury concerns are overblown. He's only missed 10 games in eight seasons. Six of those were last year. So outside of last season, he's only missed, you know, four games in seven years. So I I love T.Y. Hilton. I'm fine to grab him as my wide receiver, too, if I stack up on running backs early. And I think he's going to return on that ADP if he's healthy. Yeah, there's – dude, you're you're so right. T.Y. Hilton is is – falling criminally on draft boards it is tough though when you are sitting there on draft day to pull the trigger on him as a pivotal piece of your roster but the upside is certainly there man it it really is and we could see i mean he could just be what keenan allen has been and and, yeah you said it last time we were talking about jonathan taylor i mean this is the best offense that philip rivers has found himself on so there's there's an extra step that i think he could unlock and there's two things that i think you know fantasy analysts is kind of like low-hanging fruit that you know, tend to, they overvalue it a lot of the time, which is age and, you know, new players being drafted in. And, and if you look at like T.Y. Hilton, he checks both of those boxes. He's 30 years old and they just brought in Michael Pittman, but T.Y. Hilton's still a great player. And and I'm actually, I want to take a second real quickly, like Paris Campbell is, is kind of creeping into that, you know, final um, pick of my draft. I'm just going to throw a dart throw and see what happens. Campbell's slowly creeping up there for me. He was I, he actually saw a decent volume in, in a few of the games that he did play. He had you know, a couple games with five receptions. And, I mean, it was a second-round pick, same as Michael Pittman. And, I mean, he's super fast. He ran a 4-3-1-40. 
He had a 4.03 short shuttle, so super quick and agile as well. If Paris Campbell returns to form, I could see him being electric in this offense. And you're paying, I mean, he's free essentially in your drafts, uh, especially in like best ball and DFS. Keep your eyes on Paris Campbell, and I do like him as a dart throw in redraft. But no, I, I totally see what you're saying on Hilton. Uh, I, I want to do a deep dive into you know kind of his injury history and, and what the severity of that injury was that he had. Uh, was it an ankle? Can you refresh my memory here? Uh, yeah, I believe yeah, he's had a lot of stuff. He's actually had a ton of stuff in his career where he's actually been a little banged up and he's played through it and actually still been able to be pretty efficient. Let me check in really quickly on his injury for last from last season. Just yeah, to so it looks like a calf tear. Here. Uh, he missed five games. From yeah, that's right. It was the calf. He's had an ankle in the past, though. Last year was the calf. Gotcha. Though. I mean, look, it, it's scary, but it's not like it's not ACL scary, which is I feel like the level that people are fading T.Y. Hilton. You look at this offense and like I know they do want to run the ball I, I believe that to be true but Frank Reich is willing to chuck it like Andrew and Andrew Lux last season in Indy in 2018 that was Reich's first season as the the Colts head coach Andrew Luck threw the ball like 630 plus times that year so you know Philip Rivers coming into this team he's willing to throw the ball down the field and I have no doubt that he's going to get plenty of pass attempts in this offense I don't think it's going to be 600 but like Rivers can throw for a ton of yards uh, Rivers passing yards rank in his past five seasons, as far as like his rank amongst all NFL quarterbacks goes is fourth, ninth, second, sixth, and second. So, you know, he's been at the top of the league in passing yards for all of the last five seasons. T Y Hilton led the league in receiving yards just a couple years ago. So look, I'm totally in on Hilton. I think he could get 120, 130 targets and he's not someone that's probably, he, he's probably not his upside is there, but he's probably not someone that's going to win you a league but I think he's still going to be on plenty of championship rosters. And, you know, another thing, too, as I'm, I was kind of looking up here more on the Hilton injury, apparently he was good to go at the end of last season. They just wanted to conserve him for next year. So uh, that's another thing to keep in mind. Maybe some of the injury fades are going a little bit too far. The pendulum swinging too far the other way on T.Y. Hilton. So my last wide receiver here, a guy that we I feel like we've talked about him on almost every episode. So time to make it a formal segment. It's our boy, Bobby Let's Trees. Go. It's Robert Woods. We both love Robert Woods. A lot of fantasy players love Robert Woods this year, and it's it's for good reason. He's the definition of what you want at wide receiver, too, after loading up on running backs and other top-tier options early in your draft. We keep talking about the 2020 Rams. They're really these, these two different scenarios. Will McVay run the two tight end sets that they ran for the last seven weeks after their bye last year? Or will they return to the three wide receiver sets that they used to torture defenses with for a few seasons uh, prior to, to the end of 2019? Well, what remains constant in all this hoopla, we're talking about Cooper Cup, we're talking about Tyler Higby, and all the running backs there, Robert Woods is the constant. He should be a high floor, moderate ceiling play in 2020. Woods has proven himself. He finished uh, inside the top 14 in PPR uh, putting up over 130 targets and 1,100 receiving yards over the last two seasons. Brandon Cooks is gone. We all know that. He vacates only 72 targets, but I do think some of that will go over to Woods. And, and something about Woods, he gets used in creative ways in this offense. We saw him get a lot of rushing work. He had close to 20 uh, rushes last season and the season prior with you know getting jet sweeps, things like that. He's had a rushing touchdown over the last couple of years as well. And Woods didn't lose any snaps when the Rams went into 12 personnel. From week 10 on, he only finished outside of the top 24 on the week one time. And he was seeing Michael Thomas level Ooh. 11 targets a game. 
if he's your wide receiver too, and you have another name like, say, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, or my boy DJ Moore at your wide receiver one, I think you're going to feel great having Robert Woods there as your two. The ADP is so low. He's going right now as the wide receiver 18 to 21 range, depending on what platform that you're looking at. Uh, but that's thanks to his perceived low ceiling due to his low touchdown volume. And it's true. I mean, Woods has never scored more than six touchdowns in a season. Last year, he only had two of them. I am expecting some positive regression to the mean Jeez. there, just, just on the volume that he's going to get. But he's one of the safest wide receiver twos you can invest in. It's not like you're relying on him to take the house and score a touchdown to be fantasy relevant. The opportunity and the yard creating ability are there. And let's say in a best case scenario, he gets eight or nine touchdowns. Maybe he takes some of the touchdowns that Cooper Cup was getting over the last couple seasons here, then you just got a wide receiver one. So uh, I, I love Robert Woods this season. I think a lot of people do, and, and it's for a good reason. Uh, I, I really don't see a scenario where anybody's going to fade Robert Woods as a wide receiver too. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. I definitely like him more than uh, teammate Cooper Cup, who's going as wide receiver 15. And with Robert Woods, like from weeks 10 to 17 last year, he was the wide receiver four in points per game in all fantasy, and that was with just the two touchdowns. So that's insane. Right. And you think about – some of these outliers in touchdowns, we always talk about negative regression in the touchdown category, but just for someone to have negative regression, that means they had an outlier season. So wouldn't it be nice if, you know, pre-draft season in 2021, we're talking about how, like, oh, Robert Woods has to regress from the 12 touchdowns he had in 2020, because <laughs> if that's the case, he's a top, you know, top three wide receiver this season. And if he ever pushed towards that double digit number, his value would just be insane. And he's very safe. He's very consistent. And he's my favorite receiver on this Rams team, and I still don't understand why his ADP is so low. I feel like all fantasy analysts are talking about Robert Woods, and we're seeing that ADP climb a little bit. I hope everyone just slows down a little bit, at least till our draft is over, so I can get him as my wide receiver too. <laughs> um, but, look, he should be a lock as a top 20 wide receiver. And when I look at the, at the uh, other side of the ball in Los Angeles, I see Cooper Cup, and I just – I'm willing to take Cooper Cup in drafts, but I'm not usually happy about it because I just don't know which Cooper Cup we're going to see in 2020. Like from weeks one through eight, he was the wide receiver two. So his upside's right. there. But then from weeks nine through 17, Cup was the wide receiver 30. And that was on five touchdowns in eight games. So that really should have been a lot lower. Uh, he was barely playing snaps uh, in some weeks and things like that. So, you know, when I look at it, I'm going for the safety here in Robert Woods because I think Woods still does have wide receiver one upside uh, and the floor is just so much higher. So, you know, if you've been listening to the show, you know I'm in on Tyler Higby as well. Um, and if there's two pieces in this offense I really want, it's Robert Woods and Tyler Higby. And I think everybody else I'm out on. We keep fading Cooper Cup. You know, we had that fade segment. I saw we got some We back. don't hate him, though. We, we don't hate him. And it's funny. In our consensus rankings, we actually have Cooper Cup as the 14 and Robert Woods as the wide receiver 15. So we're not totally fading Cooper Cup. It's just, it's just scary when all these other options are there. I might as well get a running back and then grab Cortland Sutton in the next round or grab a Terry McLaurin or Calvin Ridley in the next round. And it's, like you said, like the fantasy football footballers they have Robert Woods as the wide receiver 12 I've seen a couple other analysts have him in that range and we have met wide receiver 15 so it looks like it's he's a consensus pick here at Robert Woods it's it's everybody's you know one name that they have circled here in 2020 but Alex I think that wraps up today's show anything to say before we sign off here one last thing to add and it is just a random fact that I found live on the show because I thought I like I thought my computer broke because my mind was so blown. <laughs> Steph, do you realize that over the last 
four games of 2019. So this is like playoffs for fantasy football. Steven Sims was the wide receiver nine. <laughs> wow. Mind wow. blown. So that's like the last <laughs> little piece of info I'm going to throw out there today. Steven Sims is actually pretty good. And if you're taking a last round flyer, like I don't mind the guy. So that's what I'm going to leave you with. Fun fact of the day. Quiz your league mates. Quiz your friends. Or maybe don't because you don't want to tell them about it. But um, Steven Sims, remember the name. And I'm sure we're going to be talking to him a lot in our deep shots of the week. Guys, we do a podcast every single week, all season long, to help you win fantasy titles. You know, we do the fantasy film rooms where we dig into film as well. So it's one thing to hear, you know, Stephen A. Smith go on ESPN and, and throw all these takes out there. We're actually throwing takes out there, but then backing it up with film-specific plays that show what we're talking about to AT. So definitely go check that out on our YouTube channel. Uh, thank you all so much for listening, watching. Really appreciate you all taking the time. I know there's so many fantasy football content creators out there right now. So I um, really appreciate you taking the time to give us a listen and a watch. Lastly, hit that subscribe button and hit that like button if you like what we're doing here. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.